Today, the Bible bus pulls up to Proverbs 4. I'm Steve Schwetz, inviting you to hop aboard and join us. Welcome to Through the Bible. We're glad that you're here for our ongoing journey through God's entire Word. Our study begins in just a moment, so grab your copy of God's Word and get comfortable. But first, our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, recorded a few introductory thoughts. Let's listen now. Our study today brings us to the fourth chapter of the book of Proverbs at verse 10. I will be putting in there in just a moment or two, but I would like to say again to you that this is a book that is especially directed to young men, and it's good for young women, and it's good for middle-aged men and middle-aged women, and it's good for senior citizen men and women. These Proverbs give us probably a little different slant on life from God's viewpoint. And so we want to come now to our study, and as we do, we want to come to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, make rich and real thy word to many hearts today. May the Spirit of God speak to us, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now we're off to Proverbs 4 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now we find as we come here to this fourth chapter, 10th verse, and that's where we put in today, that we are in this section that this is a young man that started out. He started out as a little child, and now he's growing up, and he's entered the big, bad, and mad world. And he's counseled now to remember the instruction of his father, as we saw last time, that was given to him, and of his mother. And then we read here in verse 10, Hear, O my son. It sounds to me like it's Bathsheba talking to Solomon. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy step shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shall not stumble. What a wonderful call it is to this young man now to seek wisdom. And he's told here in verse 13, Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Notice the language there. Take fast hold of instruction. This is something that should have top priority. Be sure and learn all that you can. Let her not go. Keep her, for she's thy life. Enter not into the path of the lawless, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, and pass not by it. Turn from it, and pass away. As we said before, the warning all the way through here is against the evil man and the stranger woman. That woman is a prostitute, of course, and I think we'll see it also has a spiritual application. Now we are told here, verse 16, "...for they sleep not except they've done evil." 
and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of lawlessness and drink the wine of violence. Now, here is something that I think God's people need to learn. Do you hear it said sometime? I don't see how that man could do a thing like that. I do not see how that woman could live that kind of a life. How can she live with herself? May I say to you that these folk couldn't live with themselves if they didn't do these things. And you and I do not know how desperate and how deep the human heart can go into sin. There is nothing, there is nothing that the human mind and heart will not conceive of. This is something that is tremendous that is given here. Now let me move on down here to verse 18 of this fourth chapter of Proverbs. But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more under the perfect day. You meet those wonderful folk like that, the wonderful saints of God that you meet today. But in contrast, the way of the lawless is as darkness. They know not what they stumble. Now, there are two ways that are opened up here. And one way is the way the righteous go. It's a shining light and shineth more and more into the perfect day. Now, there's another way, the lawless. Somebody says, this reminds me of the broad way the Lord talked about and the narrow way. And I do not believe that there's anything been as misunderstood as what he said in that connection. The idea today, and I can remember as a boy, they talked about the broad way and the narrow way. And I'll be very frank, as a boy, if you'd have said to me, which way would you think would be the best way to go? I would immediately have said, I think you could have more fun on the Broadway. And unfortunately, I think that's the impression that's been given. And I don't think that that's accurate at all. Very frankly, the picture's altogether different. The Broadway, and believe me, it's a wide one today. And that's where the mob is. That's where the crowd is. I tell you that they are having vanity fair down that way all the time. A carnival is going on. And by the way, that word carnival comes from the word carnal. And that has to do with the flesh. Oh, I tell you, down there is that place where you can indulge the flesh. And they call that the way of liberty. I we hear that we're living in a new age, and you're to do as you please. It's a broad way. It certainly is. That is when you enter it. But if you'll notice that this way that opens up, it gets narrower and narrower and narrower. It doesn't get wider. The way of the lawless is as darkness. It's a dark way. There are lights up at the entrance, but when you get down a little ways, there are no lights and they don't even know what they're stumbling at. That's the broad way. And it leads. The Lord Jesus, I think, made it clear that the broad way keeps getting narrow and narrower. It's just like going in at the big end of a funnel. And that's the wrong end of a funnel to go in. You go in the big end, and as you go in and start moving through it, it gets narrower and narrower and narrower until finally it's destruction. Now, the narrow way, that's the way that it's very narrow. The Lord Jesus said, I am the way. 
There are not two or three of them. It's not wide. It's the Lord Jesus. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. The end thereof are the ways of death. That's the broad way. But there is a way, and that way is Christ. And Peter said to his people, There's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. The Lord Jesus said, No man cometh to the Father but by me. Now, my friend, you can't make it any narrower than that. He says, I am the door, though, by me. If any man enter in, what shall he do? He's going to find pasture and life. You see, it's narrow as you enter, but it gets wider and wider and wider and wider. That's the end of the funnel that we need to go in. That end is labeled the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the picture that is here. And that is what he's saying. And in verse 20, My son, attend unto my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life unto those that find them and healing to all their flesh. And this is the word that the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And the words are life. It was said by one man of another great man of the past that his words were so wonderful that if you'd cut them, they would bleed. Living words, if you please. And that's what the words and the Word of God are. If you cut them, they're going to bleed. They're living words. They bring life to you. And they bring light to you. They bring instruction and direction and joy. All comes through the Word of God. Now, verse 23 is one of the great verses of the book of Proverbs. Keep thy heart above all keeping. That is the one translation that, and I've noticed that I every now and then revert to another. Keep thy heart with all diligence, above all keeping. This is the one thing you're to do, for out of it are the issues of life. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and it's the heart that pumps that blood. And you remember it wasn't until Harvey, back in the 18th century, he was taking a bath. And that's when he discovered the circulation of the blood. And that revolutionized medical science. And here... In the book of Proverbs, it's just very calmly taken for granted. That which revolutionized medical science. Keep thy heart above all your keeping, for out of it are the issues of life. And the Lord Jesus said, it isn't what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out of the man. And then he said, out of the heart. And the Lord gave the list of the things that come out of the heart. I tell you, some of the meanest things in the world can come out of the human heart. The heart is the seat of the total personality. You want to know how important the heart is? You ought to get a concordance and look up in the Bible the references that there are to the heart. And it was Harvey that made that discovery that the blood circulates. And we're told in that apocryphal book, the Epistle of Barnabas, It tells about a mythical phoenix, a bird that consumes itself by fire and rises in resurrection. 
May I say to you, that is as phony a statement as it was ever made. But that's not in the Bible. That's in Greek mythology. But here's a statement that's made here, and science has demonstrated it, that it's true. And in the book of Proverbs, friends, they bear no unscientific statement or inaccurate observation. What a wonderful statement this is here. And believe me, out of our hearts, and we're to keep our hearts with all diligence. It's important what you hear. It's important what you study. It's important what you see. Because I tell you, this heart that you and I got it just can't be trusted. And we need to recognize that out of that heart will come all of the great issues of our life. Now he goes on to say, Put away from thee a froward mouth, perverse lips, put far from thee. Now, you see, it's the heart that these things come out of, but it's the mouth and the lips that'll do the speaking. Somebody has put it like this, that what is in the well of the heart will come up through the bucket of the mouth. And how true that is, because sooner or later, the mouth is going to give you away. The mouth tells where you're from, what section of the country that you're from. And it certainly gives you away. I was riding on the train, and this was a very lovely thing that happened. And I went in for breakfast in the morning, and I was glad to get back to train travel. It was such a thrill to me. And I was just sitting there looking at the scenery. We were going over by Flagstaff, Arizona, and they had had a late spring snow. Oh, it was so pretty. And I was sitting there looking at it. Now, that's the way I wanted to take it. I wouldn't want to be out in it, but just to sit there and look out at it. So lovely, so pretty. And the steward there in charge of the dining room, he leaned down to me. He says, some friends of yours, your students across the way here want to pay for your breakfast. Isn't that a lovely thing to do? And I looked over there and these folk, a lovely couple, were smiling at me. And so I got up and went over and shook hands with them, found out they listened to our radio program, and I began to talk to them. And I noticed another couple back of them were very much interested. And so a little later, they met me in the lounge, and they said to me, you're Dr. McGee? And I said, yes. Well, they said, we recognize that voice. We listened to you in Peoria, Illinois. And my, you know that we found two or three there. And the thing that gave me away is my mouth. It just told who I am. You can't obscure things like that out of the mouth. And we need to be careful what comes out of the mouth. Miss McGee and I were way up in the northwest, little town. We just went in to sit down and have lunch. And we were talking, and we noticed the waitress was very much interested. And finally... She just butted right in. She says, aren't you Dr. McGee? And I said, yes. And I said, how'd you know me? Well, she said, I had never seen you before, but I listened to you on the radio. And my wife said to me afterwards, says, you sure better be careful what you say, because you are recognized sometimes when you don't think you're being recognized. Out of the heart, these things are going to come up through the bucket of the mouth, and the mouth just gives us away who we are. Tells all about us. Now, he says, here's something about the eyes. Verse 25, let thine eyes look right on. (laughs) 
Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. That's one thing the young man in life is to do. Ruin your career. A man told me, he says, as a young man, I ruined my life by having an arrest, and I have a record. And he says, you know, that thing confronts me again and again, and it has in this life. How careful a young man needs to be. Now we come to chapter 5, and here in chapter 5, we find it return again to this stranger woman. And this chapter, I think, should be read very carefully by the young man because he's counseled here to live a pure life for the sake of his home. And this is the kind of sex education that God gives. I don't know about you, but I like it a little bit better. Some of the things that I'm hearing today, even in Christian circles, God is saying a pure life should be led for the sake of the home later on. And a lot of the problem in the home didn't begin there. It began way back in the sex life of the individual. Now, will you notice here, listen to him. My son, and here he is talking to the young man again, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine heart to mine understanding that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. Now, what he's saying here is it's wisdom now bidding this young man to come to her school that he might learn something. And then he goes on to say here, for the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb. Now, the evil man in the last chapter, here it is the strange woman. That stranger woman was the one that came in from the outside. She was generally a Gentile. She was a prostitute. And her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on Sheol. Lest thou ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. There was a famous, or probably I should say infamous, gangster in the penitentiary in Atlanta. One of the officers there told me this story about him, that This man had contracted syphilis, and if it's not taken care of, he'll go to the brain, cause paresis, and actually leads to insanity. He said that this man had become, before he died, a blubbering idiot. Then he made this comment to me. He said, you know, he says he was responsible for the ruin of many a girl. He says, you know, it's interesting. They don't get by with it. Some girl along the route got even with him. (laughs) And the warning here is against that type of thing, you see. Her feet go down to death. Steps take hold on Sheol. Lest thou ponder the path of life, her ways are movable. Thou canst not know them. What a warning is given here to this young man. And he says, Hear me now, therefore, O ye sons, and depart not from the sayings of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the entrance of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel ones 
lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last, when thy flesh, thy body, are consumed. What a picture of a venereal disease. And that's an epidemic condition here in Southern California. And say, how have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof. Have not hearkened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. God says he's not mocked. But you sow, you're going to reap. God says this is the thing that'll come to pass. Our society is reaping what has been sown. Today, gross immorality goes back to the lack of instruction in the Word of God. I sound like a square, don't I? Well, that's what I am. Stay with us as Dr. McGee has more to tell us about reaping and sowing, specifically as it relates to living a pure life. We'll also hear more about this important principle next time as we continue our adventure through the wonderful book of Proverbs. I hope that you'll invite a friend or two along for the ride. And if you'd like to join us in our mission to take God's whole word to his whole world, you can visit ttb.org or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. You'll really get the inside scoop in our monthly newsletter with more great Bible teaching and a closer look at how God can use you in taking his word to the hardest to reach places on earth. Again, sign up at ttb.org or 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now, as promised, here are some closing thoughts by our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Will you listen to a square for a moment? This generation has gone mad on the subject of sex. This subject was taboo in the average church a few years ago. Now it's all that some are talking about. The dam of morality has broken and the flood of immorality and sex has filled the lives of the young today. It besets them on every hand. The home is coming unglued, and seminars are conducted by pastors to stem the tide. It's just the same, though, as locking the stable after the horse is gone, because divorce today among Christians is almost at the same percent as it is among those that are not Christian. Therefore, the question arises, what's wrong? Well, this passage in Proverbs gives us some idea, at least from God's viewpoint. We need to move back to the teenagers. It's too late after the marriage has fallen apart to think that we can bring in a Band-Aid and a little scotch tape and put the thing back together again. We need to move back to the teenagers, as God does here. He's talking to the young man, and he's talking to the young woman, too. And he says very definitely that premarital sex is wrong. He says it's a sin. And I think today that probably... We should tell the young people that. And somebody says, well, we're going to lose them if we tell them. Well, we're going to lose them anyway if we don't tell them, friends. You can't sow wild oats. 
and weep roses in marriage. In a survey that was made in several high schools, 80% of the girls had had sex. It is even more than the boys. Now, God warns in this section that we've been looking at about the danger of venereal disease. I saw the other evening on a newscast that herpes, a venereal disease, was in epidemic state in this country. And did you know that i never heard of that disease before, and I thought I'd been around. And elder in a Presbyterian church many years ago, he told me that as a young man, he had not gone to a brothel with the other fellas, and it was not because he was a goody-goody gumdrop, for he wasn't that kind of a fella, but because his doctor father warned him about the spread of venereal disease in the neighborhood. And his doctor father knew all about it. And he says he was frightened. He said, I was actually scared to death. And we're going to see next time what God really thinks of marriage. And by the way, it's very important to get his viewpoint. And we'll get that next time. Until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Jesus came home, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Through the Bible is a five-year study of God's entire Word, and together we discover God's purposes in history and our lives found only when we believe in Jesus Christ. Do you know him yet?